This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, and it's a bonus episode. On this episode, I will be sharing our story of infertility, the pain and the sorrow, but also the hope and the joy that we found as a result. I'll be covering our journey from the beginning of trying for a family, through the medical treatment we pursued, through where we are today. So welcome to a very non-traditional episode of the podcast. I hope this encourages you. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. I'll start off by saying I do not have a script or notes like I normally do. Um, I am just going to tell you my story uh, because... That was incredibly encouraging to me when we first started realizing this was going to take a lot longer than we thought it was. There is a photographer in Chicago named Christy Tyler who shared her IVF journey. And um, when we when it when we first realized like, oh, we're not pregnant, this isn't working, I remember, despite how alone I felt of realizing that I wasn't the only one because Christy had shared about this first. So, Christy, I don't think you'll ever probably hear this episode, but if you do, thank you for sharing your story because it made me feel courageous enough to share mine. I'll also say in this episode, I'm going to talk about Jesus and um, that's where my hope is built and I cannot tell you my story without telling the story of him um, and what he's done through me. So be forewarned. Third thing I'll say is that I really struggled on whether or not to tell this story, not because I haven't told it in the past. I have. Um, But once Felix, our our older son, was born, I was worried that talking about the pain of infertility when my my children are old enough to be able to read things that I wrote and listen to things that I say uh, on like podcast episodes, that, that this would somehow make them think mom is not happy yet. And that's not true. I love our family's story. I would not change this. I wouldn't change one second of it. Felix and Teddy, if you're listening to this in years to come, I wouldn't change a minute of this. I have loved every tear I cried, every wound I carried was worth it on the journey to you. And I would do it again. But I tell this story because I want other women to hear that you may go your entire life without some kind of wish or desire fulfilled and that it is possible to be okay at the end of it. That our hope and our our joy and our peace and our contentment doesn't have to be based in our situation if we don't want it to be. I want you to hear from someone who has wanted and waited for years And that resolution, the particular kind of resolution I was initially seeking and and still do hope for someday, that when that hasn't been met, I can still stand firm and tell you, honestly, it is well with my soul. Uh, Our journey to parenthood began in May of 2015. Um, I had been <laughs> tracking my cycle and I was in um, Europe for uh, just a solo trip and I was, it was the night before I was supposed to get home and I remember, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this now. 
I remember telling the people I was at the pub with, like, I'm going to get pregnant tomorrow because I knew I was ovulating and I was going home. So I was like, I'm going to get pregnant tomorrow. Like, I'm going to have my last drink because I'm going to be pregnant tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I did that. Um, and two weeks later, when I realized I wasn't pregnant, it was Mother's Day. And, oh, that was a kick in the teeth. I didn't – I just sobbed. Uh, and I look back on that now and I'm like, that was a little dramatic, Abby. <laughs> it's okay to be disappointed, but like sobbing the first, but I mean, you know, it was a fail. I felt like a failure. Um, and the pain was real in the moment. So that was where it started eight years ago. And um, I remit like, go, like, I would just remember feeling like, why didn't this work? Like, I, we did the thing we were supposed to do. And that's what makes, I mean, it's just like Coach Carr says in Mean Girls, if you have little ears in the car, like maybe skip forward. But Coach Carr says, don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. And so I was like, okay, great. So then getting pregnant is just that simple, right? Um, Turns out, no. And uh, so over the next like year, we kept trying and friends of ours um, started announcing pregnancies and with each, each passing month and um, each passing pregnancy announcement, I just remember feeling more and more frustrated. Like, what is happening? <laughs> this is this is supposed to work. Like, that we're doing what we're supposed to do. Um, why isn't this working? Um, and so around the, like, 14-month mark, that was when I was like, this is not normal. Like, technically, the, the, the definition for insurance company purposes is that you've been trying for a year and it hasn't worked. Um, so around 14 months, I remember going to my OB and saying, hey, can we just like, is there anything you can, wh- where do we go from here? So they put me on a couple, a uh, couple rounds of Clomid, which is a follicle stimulant, um, supposed to increase your chance of pregnancy. Also, fun fact, increases your chance of multiples. Um, that did not happen to us, <laughs> but it was like an 11% chance of multiples or something. Um, and, uh, we did two, two rounds of Clomid, I think we did. And uh, it made me so hormonal sad. It was just it's sad and stressed out. Oh, gosh, I've never been that stressed out in my life, um, which, of course, is not helpful for when you're trying to conceive. So um, that was like a not my favorite period of our marriage because I was so stressed out. I was putting a lot of pressure on it. Like, oh, my gosh, if this doesn't work, the doctor said we can only do – they said there's limited rounds of this you can do, and they didn't tell me how many. But, like, every time this doesn't work, we're using up one of our limited rounds of Clomid. Um, so after two rounds, that did not work. And um, I, rem- like, at that point started feeling anger. And also started to feel like a bit of despair. And I remember feeling forgotten. So forgotten. Mostly forgotten by God. Like, God, how could you, how could you not give this to me? You're giving this to literally everyone around me. Like, do you not see me raising my hand over here? I I told you I want this. Are you not hearing my prayers? Like, what gives, God? Um, more on that later. Um, and and I also remember feeling angry with the rejection and anger at family and friends who would ask us, hey, when are you guys going to have some kids? And they were asking it just because that's what people say to young married couples who've only been married for a few years. Matt and I had been married for four or five, five and a half years at that point when we started seeing a doctor. Um, and uh, it was at that point that I started blogging about it. 
because so this was October of 2016 that I started that I wrote my first blog post about it um and I wrote that blog post because I was tired of people asking me when we were going to have children um but also because I remember Christy talking about it and that gave me maybe not hope but at least I'm not the only one because it is like that feeling of being alone in the midst of your pain and no one can understand it's such an acute unique kind of pain to want to carry a child and not be able to do it um and so I I I wanted people to stop asking me (laughs) but I also wanted other women who were out there who were struggling and didn't have an example like Christy to know that they were not the only ones because that feeling of like another friend announces that she's pregnant you get another invitation to a baby shower it's it's so hard to explain um but it's very isolating and you feel like you can't be anything but thrilled for your friends but then you are sad for you um and you might be angry that it hasn't happened for you yet and I just remember like wanting to share that or wanting other other women who are going through that to know that they that they had that in common with me um so January of 2017 we started seeing an endocrinologist a like OB endocrinologist um who did uh she ran the gamut of tests and everything came back totally fine so we had no idea what was going on we just knew that we'd been trying for a while and it hadn't happened yet so uh April of that year April 2017 we did our first IUI and I remember <laughs> I remember getting the call from the off the doctor's office like the day before we were supposed to go in for treatment that they were like hey by the way your insurance doesn't cover any of this and I was like excuse me um that was not even on my radar like along with not being on when we first started trying for a family it wasn't even on my radar that this might be a problem like starting a family as soon as I wanted one so insurance not covering treatments also not on my radar um and that was like one of maybe two times in my life that I wonder if I had a genuine panic attack like couldn't breathe all of a sudden crying so hard like hyperventilating dizzy all because I was like, oh my gosh, it's been two years at this point and we've hit roadblock after roadblock and now here's another one and we're never going to be parents. Um, so we ended up just paying out of pocket for, for all of our treatments and um, that was a bitter pill to swallow each month when it didn't work because it felt like we, sh- we should have just taken that $1,200 check for the procedure and flushed it down the toilet for all that we had to show for it because we're starting over from the ground up every month. So the treatment that we did, for anyone who's curious, it was like right be- what you would do right before you st- decide to move on to IVF, and it's called IUI. Again, if you have little ears, maybe skip forward for a, a second. Um, it's intrauterine insemination. So you can look that up if you want to. I'm not going to explain it. But um, again, it's like the step before um, what you would do for IVF. But um, we did our first round, and I remember praying so hard. I, I have my, my journals from – that period of time of like I honestly like can't look back at them because it's too painful to read them um but I just remember praying and begging God that this would work because we had so much riding on this um and also coming slowly to the realization that part of my pain had been 
based on this spirit of entitlement of like, I want a baby, therefore I will have a baby. Like there was no, you know, people like, oh, children are such such a gift. I was like, yeah, that's a, I mean, oh, yes, they are. What What a nice saying. But I don't think I really understood that like children are actually a gift from the Lord. Um, and the thing about gifts is that they are not owed to you. So just because I had decided that I wanted a baby, Matt and I had decided that we wanted a baby, that did not mean that we were entitled to one. So we ended up doing um, four total rounds of IUI um, starting in April. Last one was in September. And the last one put me in the hospital. (laughs) The last one that we did was a medicated round where I took um, – Uh, follicle stimulation shots every night it might have been twice a day maybe morning and night I can't remember and then the day before maybe like 36 hours before the procedure I took a trigger shot so that you could time the procedure with hopefully when you're ovulating and procedure went fine but like a few days later I was in agony like abdominal pain I have never experienced anything like that before um and we ended up in the emergency room the night before a wedding we were there till like two or three in the morning and one of the standard procedures that they do when you're at the hospital is they take a pregnancy test and I asked them not to tell me the results because they knew it was going to be thrown like the trigger shot would throw would would give a positive even if it wasn't uh, a positive so they were like we took a pregnancy test and I was like please do not tell me the results of that I would I I know that they're going to be I know it's going to say positive and I I don't I just don't want to talk about that um I ended up missing the wedding that I had the next day because the medic I couldn't stop throwing up um, from the medication that they'd given me for the pain. So we were in the hospital until like three o'clock in the morning, got home, slept for a few hours, and then I on the way out the door I texted um, a, a group of photographers that I knew who were in a similar price bracket to me and asked if anybody might be available to come and third shoot the day for me just so I had an, a really strong additional shooter. And it's good that we did that because when we got to the wedding, as soon as we pulled into the taxi stand at the hotel, I threw up. Um, I threw up again in the bridal suite. I uh, was photographing bridal portraits and had to be like, excuse me for one moment. Ducked out into the hallway, grabbed one of the boxes that the bouquets are delivered in, barfed into that. <laughs> um, and then um, threw up again on the way to the church and eventually just realized like, I this I can't I can't do this. This is I, I can't keep interrupting this bride's coverage because I can't, I'm so sick. So um, Liz Fogarty, she's an amazing photographer in the DC area. She came and um, she was my my third shooter. And I told her, I was like, I'm so sorry, I have to leave. And she was like, no problem. So she took over, didn't miss a beat. She did amazing. The bride was so gracious. Um, the wedding planner was so gracious. I'm so grateful for that. And I just went home and was sick and miserable. That round also didn't work. And I remember being so angry. Like, what was the point? What was the point of the money that we threw with that, of the of the lost wedding, of the of being sick, of being in the emergency? And now we have medical bills on top of that. Like for the just what was the point, God? Uh, and just not understanding where all of this was going. And It was in the midst of that that I started to realize that so much of my anger was there was this entitlement, but there was also this misplaced hope that I had been looking at, I had been framing God's goodness in terms of whether or not he gave me what I wanted. God, I, dear God, I want a baby. Okay, Abby, here you go. That means God loves me. Or he says, no, like no baby is delivered. He loves me not. Um, and what a fickle, 
finite view that was for me to take. Um, because as Christians, we believe that God's goodness is eternal. He is the same yesterday as he is today, as he will be tomorrow. And his goodness never changes. And so how fickle of me to think that I knew better to determine his goodness based on this specific situation that I would hope that he would change for me. I remember sitting on stage at church with one of our friends, Tony, um, after the, the failed last round and just crying my heart out. Uh, and like, I don't understand. I don't know why this happened. What was like, to what end? Why did all of this? I have nothing to show for this. And she recommended that I read the, the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament. And I did. And um, that was where things started to change was when I could read Habakkuk, who was in this awful situation and the conversations between him and the Lord. And you get to the end of Habakkuk and the situation hasn't changed. And yet he still praises the Lord. And I realized I had been placing my, my faith and my hope in my situation changing and not in who the eternal God says that he is. And like, do I trust that God is who he says he is? I say that I do, but like, you're not acting like it, Abby. And eventually over the next few months, as we tried to figure out next steps forward, because there was, I mean, there was no point in doing any more IUI. There was, if we'd done four of them, diminishing rate of returns. If it hadn't worked at this point, it probably wasn't going to work. Something else was wrong, and we don't know what it is, but the next step was going to be IVF. And so we went for an appointment with a, a fertility clinic in our area to talk about IVF and absolutely gobsmacked by how much that was going to cost, and it was all going to be out of pocket. So that was December of 2017, and so we said, okay, let's put this, let's put this on hold and do some saving, and then maybe we can start in the spring. And over those next few months – the Lord was so kind because that, that entitlement and that misplaced hope began to fall away as I could see, one, that I could trust the Lord to be who he says he, was, says who he is and that his goodness is not based in my circumstance, that he is good all the time, all the time, and that we don't need to know every step of the way or what the end of the story is, for me to still be able to say, it is well with my soul. He is still good. One of my favorite verses in Psalm 119, just double checked, it's Psalm 119, 105. It's your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And I remember singing that song as a kid um, in you know church growing up and uh, thinking like, okay, cool, like, your words lamp into my feet and light into my path. Great. So that just means like if I'm scared in the dark, the Lord's going to help me not be scared. Um, and what as as we walked this path of infertility and didn't know each step of the way, really just knew, okay, like what like what's the – I kept asking for the Lord to show me like what's the end of the story? Like why haven't you revealed the end of the story? Why haven't I gotten what I wanted yet? And realizing that that, that metaphor, like your word is a lamp to my feet – well, like if it's a lamp that's held like close to you, like a, how much how much in front of or behind you does a lamp illuminate? We're thinking about when this Bible verse was written and you're holding a lamp, probably with oil and a wick. How far does that illuminate? Probably only like 24 inches in front of you maybe. Um, it doesn't show you the entire path. It doesn't show you a mile down the road. It just shows you what's the next step. 
And so if I truly trusted that God is good and that he is who he says he is and that his word is a lamp to my feet, can I trust that he's going to illuminate each step as I need it? I don't need to know and it is not fair for me to ask what the end of the story. I already know what the end of the story is. The end of the story is Jesus is written and I am saved and my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My hope is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come again and I am so excited. I don't need to search for hope because I already know where it is. And so if I don't need to know the end of the story, can I trust that this God who I believe is good will lead me to good places even if it's not where I thought it was going to be? And the answer to that is yes. And so in the midst of the anger of wrestling with why hasn't this happened yet, wh- like where, where do we go from here? Why, like why, just why, God? I remember having this conversation. I was at Caitlin James's house. We were having our girls annual girls weekend and there was a bunch of us there. I remember sitting on the couch and talking. I think it was with Tori Watson. And I remember processing through like, where is the, the the intersection of hope and contentment? Because people keep saying, don't lose hope, don't lose hope. And I'm like, I haven't. But I realized I had been looking at the word hope like wish. Like I wish for this. I wish for a baby. I wish my situation would change. And how do I reconcile that wishing with not putting my life on hold anymore? Because that's what we did. We didn't plan anything more than nine months out. I remember telling a bride, I don't know if I can book your wedding because it's more than nine months out and I'm trying to have a baby. Like, (laughs) how do we, where do hope and contentment meet? And I remember talking to whoever it was that I was sitting next to on the couch and I was like, where is the intersection of hope and contentment? Oh my gosh, it's at the cross. Because hope isn't I wish for. Hope is a joyful expectation. And I can have a joyful expectation that Jesus is my found, my rock and my redeemer. I know that that is true. And so if I know that that is true and that is an eternal truth, but my situation hasn't changed yet, how can I still be content? Because my situation is not the end of the story. In my situation, it's just a, it doesn't mean the pain is any less, but that when we look at it with eternal perspective, when we have an eternal hope, that the pain and the sorrow that happens in the midst between here and eternity, we can either let that soften us or calcify us. And I had allowed it to calcify me because I believed that I wasn't getting what I was due. But when I realized that I already had all that I needed, in the arms of my heavenly father, that it didn't take away the sadness and the wanting and the pain, but it did mean that I could rest a little easier because I knew my pain wasn't pointless or that it didn't have to be. So as we were waiting and saving for IVF, this funny thing started happening. Like all of these people whose stories were heavily woven with adoption started coming into our lives or back into our lives um one of my college ministry leaders jesse fury he was uh officiating a wedding that i photographed in april of of 2018 and uh, i was like hey when did you and jenny know that you wanted to pursue adoption and he was like why are you guys thinking about it we'd love to talk with you about it and i was like wow that was really generous like how did he know We had industry friends who at the time took a month off of their business to go bring their daughter home from China. Um, There was just like 
stuff like that happening over and over and over again, like books that I was reading, like I had no idea, but the authors were adoptive parents or it just was everywhere. And all of a sudden I started to realize that we had never been forgotten, that the pain of infertility and the sorrow that we experienced served as a recalibration for my heart to show me where my hope truly lies, where it should lie. Repositioned my heart and aimed my eyes at heaven instead of placing all of my hope and my expectations on a baby, which is way too much pressure. That would crush a newborn. And that's not fair to expect my children to be what makes me happy, to wait to start my life until they come. And so we started realizing as adoption became more and more prevalent this story that we were seeing over and over again that maybe that was not plan b maybe adoption had always been god's plan a and it just took me a while to see it i would love to tell our story of the adoption journey that'll need to be another episode because that's a long story and it's a really really beautiful story <laughs> i love our story i love our family story i wouldn't trade it for anything and it's been so, I mean, such a roller coaster over the last eight years. And truthfully, I do still hope, I do still hope that we will have a, a babe, that I'll one day have a positive pregnancy test. But I know that my joy and my contentment don't rely on that anymore. And they never had to. But me and my, my brokenness and my human sinfulness had misplaced expectations. And so there was a disproportionate amount of sorrow because I had placed all of those expectations in, in something that was bound to disappoint me. And I don't mean I was bound to be disappointed by infertility. I just mean that if I had placed all of that expectation of joy and happiness and contentment in a baby, that they would they would be bound to disappoint me, right? That we're humans. This is what we do. Like to place all of your expectations on your spouse, they're bound to disappoint you because they're humans and they're sinful. I disappoint my husband all of the time. You know, it's just, that's what we do. Like, I believe that marriage isn't here to make us happy. It's here to make us holy. And it does that. Like parenting has made us more holy, more like God, and continues to do so every day. Um, if you're in the midst of the wait and you're listening to this, you will feel joy again, even if you're in the midst of extreme sorrow right now, I promise you. It may not look like what you think it's going to look like. It may not come from where you think it's going to come from, but joy will come again. You will feel the warmth of the sunshine on your face again. I can't promise you that you're ever going to have a positive pregnancy test. And that was one thing that I really struggled with was you see all these women who they're sit like, oh, they're standing on the other side of the chasm. Like, I made it. Like, the Lord gave me what I wanted. Don't worry. You'll make it here someday too. And I was like, but what if I don't? What if I go my entire life and I never have a positive pregnancy test? I never give birth to a baby who shares my DNA or has my husband's beautiful long eyelashes. Who's going to tell, who is there to tell me that I'm going to be okay? And we have a, uh, a friend, Becky Morketcher. She and her husband, Jesse, they were the ones who, who flew to China to bring their daughter Vera home. And I remember looking at Vera and looking at Becky and saying, if this very human desire of ours, which is understandable and sweet, the desire to carry a baby, if 
Becky can stand here on this side of the chasm, the chasm being getting pregnant, and say, I'm okay, then I think I will be too. So friend, if that is you, if you're wondering if you will ever be okay, I'm telling you, yes, you will be. It's been eight years and my heart still aches, wants to be able to carry a baby, but I love this life that we have. I wouldn't trade this for anything. And if the pain of infertility and the sorrow of wanting and waiting is what it took to realign my eyes to heaven and what it took for Felix and Teddy to join our family, I would do it over again. 